Welcome back to the Word Encounter, episode 153, where we will begin our journey into the book of Ezekiel. Now, Ezekiel, the prophet Ezekiel, was a contemporary of the prophet Jeremiah. Now, Jeremiah, uh, when he was prophesying in this time frame, and this time frame is roughly in the 590s BC, about 600 years before Christ, Jeremiah prophesied to the Judeans in Judah uh, prior to, immediately prior to the exile to Babylon. He also presided over the exile of the people, but he never himself went to Babylon. He stayed in the land of Judah. However, Ezekiel, who was slightly younger than Jeremiah, he did go into exile with the other Judeans taken away by the Babylonians. And so he was prophesying to the exile, uh, to the exiles in Babylon. And so that kind of fixes, you know, where this takes place. There's a lot of overlap uh, between the two of them time-wise. And we see that God's message is basically consistent coming from Jeremiah and coming from Ezekiel, even though they were miles and miles and miles apart. And so with that, let's get started with the book of Ezekiel. And so we see in chapter one, it says, In the thirteenth year, in the fourth month, on the fifth day of the month, while I was among the exiles, I being Ezekiel, the heavens were open and I saw visions of God. Verse two, on the fifth day of the month, it was the fifth year of King Jehoiachin's exile. Now remember, so Jehoiachin um, was only king for like three months, three months and 10 days, the word says. And then uh, Nebuchadnezzar pulled him out, <laughs> deposed him, if you will, and brought him to Babylon. And there he stayed in captivity 35, 37 years, somewhere around there. But then Nebuchadnezzar's son, who had become king, his name was Evil Merodach, if you remember, uh, for some reason he took a liking to Jehoiachin. He brought him out of prison, sat him at his dinner table, gave him clothes, gave him an allowance, and he ate dinner with them all the time. And he did that for the rest of his life. And so Jehoiachin was, was shown favor by King Evil Merodach. I don't know why, but he was. But anyway, this is what's calling, uh, this is what it's talking about here was it was the fifth month excuse me, it was the fifth year of King Jehoiachin's exile. The word of the Lord came directly to the priest Ezekiel in the land of the Chaldeans. And so after five years of Jehoiachin being taken away by Nebuchadnezzar, put in prison, that's when the word came to Ezekiel. And it says the Lord's hand was on him there. The section, next section says visions, um, vision of the Lord's glory. Now, <laughs> The, 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 the writing and the style and the prose and the, po uh, and the, and the language that's used by Ezekiel is very different, in my opinion, than anything we've read thus far in the Word. And so he's got his own style, his own way of writing. It's very, um, well, let's just get into it. It says um, in verse 4, he says, uh, I wanted to say symbolic. It's very symbolic. But anyway, in verse four, he says, I looked and there was a whirlwind coming from the north, a huge cloud with, fl uh, with fire flashing back and forth and brilliant light all around. In the center of the fire, there was a gleam like amber. The likeness of four living creatures came from it. And this was their appearance. They looked something like a human. But each of them had four faces and four wings. Their legs were straight. And the soles of their feet were like the hooves of, of a calf, sparkling like, um, sparkling like the gleam of polished bronze. That's in interesting. Sparkling like the gleam of polished bronze. We'll, we'll, I'm going to take note of that and, and come back to that. But anyway, <laughs> they had human hands under their wings, and on their four sides, all four of them had faces and wings. Their wings were touching. The creatures did not turn as they moved. Each one went straight ahead. 
Their faces looked something like the face of a human, and each of the four had a face of a lion on the right, the face of an ox on the left, and the face of an eagle, I would assume, pointing straight ahead. And so it's kind of weird-looking creature, right? Then we drop down, and it says in verse 13, the likeness of the living creatures was like something, was like the appearance of blazing coals of fire or like torches. Fire was moving back and forth between the living creatures. It was bright with the lightning coming out of it. Verse 15, when I looked at the living creatures, there was a one wheel on the ground beside each of the four face creatures. Their four rims, the wheel rims, the four rims were tall and awe-inspiring, completely covered with eyes. I believe this symbolizes that the Lord is everywhere and he sees everything. Verse 19, when the living creatures moved, the wheels moved beside them. And when the creatures rose from the earth, the wheels also rose. Wherever the spirit wanted to go, the creatures went in the direction the spirit was moving. Wherever the spirit wanted to go, the creatures just followed the spirit. That's a word for us. The wheels rose alongside them for the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. Now, what might that mean? I believe that the wheels symbolized movement. And the, the creatures would go wherever the spirit would go. They would move. The wheels would allow them to move wherever the spirit went. In other words, the creatures were pliable to the will of the Lord. Whatever the Lord said is what they did. And so that's what I believe um, these wheels mean. And so in verse 22, over the heads of the living creatures, the likeness of an expanse was spread out. Now, this word expanse, the same word is used in Genesis to describe the sky. So I'm assuming this means the sky. It says over the heads of the living creatures, the likeness of an expanse was spread out. It, it gleamed like awe-inspiring crystal. Well, that kind of makes sense. Yeah, I can see where the sky would look like just heavenly crystal. And it says in verse 23, and under the expanse, their wings extended one towards another. They each also had two wings covering their bodies. When they moved, I heard the sound of their wings, like the roar of a torrent of a huge torrent, uh, like the voice of the almighty to the sound of tumult, uh, like the noise of an army. When they stopped, they lowered their wings in voice 20 verse 25. A voice came from above the expanse over their heads. When they stopped, they lowered their wings. Something like a throne with the appearance of lapis lazuli was above the expanse over their heads. Lapis lazuli is a, is a, is a crystal line. Well, it's a rock that kind of looks like a crystal. It has some very deep blue colors. And it's, it's, I've never seen one personally, but apparently it's very attractive to the eye. And it says, on the throne high above was someone who looked like a human. Let me go back to 26 and start over. Something like a throne with the appearance of lapis lazuli was above the expanse over their heads. So something like a throne was above the sky. See, this expanse was beneath them and it was above the heads of the creatures. And it says, on the throne high above was someone who looked like a human. Verse 27. From what seemed to be from what seemed to be his waist up, I saw a gleam like amber uh, with what looked like a fire enclosing it all around. From what seemed to be his waist down, I also saw what looked like fire. There was a brilliant light all around him. The appearance of the brilliant light all around was like uh, that of a rainbow in a cloud on a rainy day. That was the appearance of the likeness of the Lord's glory. When I sound when I saw it, I fell face down. Uh, 
I fell face down and heard a voice speaking. Now let's back up here because it says, uh, from what seemed like the waist up, I saw a gleam like amber with what seemed like or with with what looked like fire enclosing it all around. From what seemed to be from his waist down, I, I also saw what looked like fire. Now, I find this to be very interesting. And the reason is, if I go to Revelation and I read chapter 12 of um, excuse me, chapter one of verse 12, it says, uh, this is John talking. He says, then I turned to see whose voice it was that spoke to me. When I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, and among the lampstands was one like the Son of Man, dressed in a robe, and with a golden sash wrapped around his chest. Verse 14, the hair of his head was white as wool, white as snow, and his eyes like a fiery flame. His feet were like fine bronze as it was fired in a furnace, and his voice like the sound of cascading waters. Again, it says in verse 15, his feet were like fine bronze. Remember the creatures, it, the description was as bronze. And it says here, this is describing Jesus. It says his eyes were like a fiery flame. And so we see fire being used here in Ezekiel's uh, depiction of what he's seeing in his vision. Could he have been seeing a vision of Jesus or God? Remember, there's the triune God, right? So there's Jesus, there's the Father, and there's the Holy Spirit. And so, you know, I, I don't know how they work with each other. I don't know how they play with each other. This is, you know, three guys in one. That's why it's called a Godhead. And so could this, this be a vision of, 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 of God the Father and God the Son that Ezekiel is having? I, I don't know. Let's go over to chapter 2. It says, mission to the rebellious is mission to rebel mission to rebellious Israel. It says in verse one, it says, He said to me, Son of man, stand up on your feet and I will speak with you. As he spoke to me, the Spirit entered me and set me on my feet. So Ezekiel saying, I didn't stand up, the Spirit entered me and it set me on my feet. And then it says, And I listened to the one who was speaking to me. In verse three. He said to me, son of man, I am sending you to the Israelites, to the rebellious pagans who have rebelled against me. The Israelites and their ancestors have transgressed against me to this day. The descendants are obstinate and hard hearted. I am sending you uh, to them and you must say to them, this is what the Lord says. In verse five, it says whether they listen or refuse to listen. In other words, the Lord said, I don't care if they listen to you or not. This is what you're to say to them. Obey what I'm telling you to do. Don't look at them for reactions or whatever. Just say what I tell you to say. And then we'll start back. It says whether they listen or refuse to listen, for they are a rebellious house. They will know that a prophet has been among them. See? And so he says, if you do what I tell you, they know that you're a prophet. They know what you're saying is truth, but they're going to choose not to listen to me. It says in verse six, but you son of man, do not be afraid of them and do not be afraid of their words. Even though briars and thorns are beside you and you live among scorpions. <laughs> it says, don't be afraid of their words or discouraged by the look on their faces for they are a rebellious house. In verse seven, it says, speak my words to them whether they listen or refuse to listen, for they are rebellious. Again, he's the Lord is emphasizing this to Ezekiel. Speak my word. Don't look for a reaction from them. Just speak my word. Then it says, and you, son of man, listen to what I tell you. Do not be rebellious like that rebellious house. In other words, the Lord is saying, don't become like them. Stay pure. Don't become like them. It says, open your mouth and eat what I am giving you. 
Verse 9, so I looked and saw a hand reaching out uh, to me, and there was a scroll on it. <clears throat> then he unrolled it before me. It was written on the front and back. It said, words of lamentation, mourning, and woe were written on it. And so Ezekiel seeing a vision where the Lord is handing him a scroll. He opens the scroll and reads it in the front and back, and there's nothing but lamentation, mourning, and woe, and woe on the scroll. You know, all bad stuff. <laughs> It's just on the scroll. Let's go to chapter three. And then the word says, and he said to me, son of man, eat what you find here. Eat this scroll, then go and speak to the house of Israel. In other words, read this thing, digest it, take it in, absorb what this scroll is saying, absorb what I'm telling you, make it your own, make it become a part of you. Then go to the house of Israel and preach my word. That's essentially what God is telling Ezekiel, you know, <clears throat> Now imagine that, you know, nothing but woe and, and destruction and lamentation and whatnot. And, and this is much like Jeremiah, where you were to go and you're just to preach my word. Verse two, so I opened my mouth and he fed me the scroll. Verse three, son of man, he said to me, feed your stomach and fill your belly with this scroll I am giving you. That, I like that language. It gives, it gives a very, very uh, descriptive vision of what the Lord is saying to Ezekiel with regard to how to digest his word. Right. You know, feed your stomach, fill your belly with my word. Hmm. So Ezekiel says, so I ate it and it was as sweet as honey in my mouth. I just find that to be a very interesting reaction to eating and digesting this word of woe. <laughs> These are his people. Right. And he has to deliver this word of mourning, lamentation and woe. And his response is, when I ate it, it was as sweet as honey in my mouth. I think that has to do with the sweetness of the word, the sweetness in knowing that this is the will of the Lord, even though it presents death and destruction and whatnot. When you know that you know that you know that this is in fact what the will of the Lord is, then there is satisfaction, completeness, and harmony in that knowledge. Verse four, it says, then he said to me, son of man, go to the house of Israel and speak my words to them. For you are not being sent to a people of unintelligible speech or a different language, but to the house of Israel. See, he's saying you're not being sent to a people who don't know what you're talking about, who you, who you are unfamiliar with. That's not where I'm sending you. I'm sending you to people that you are very familiar with, know the language, know how to talk to them, know the slang, know everything. And it says in verse six, it says, what I'm not doing is I'm not uh, sending you to the many peoples of unintelligible speech or difficult language whose words you cannot understand. See, the Lord said, I'm not sending you to those types. It says, no doubt. If I sent you to them, if I sent you to those people, they would listen to you. So this is the Lord telling Ezekiel, I'm sending you to your people, but they're not going to listen to you because they don't listen to me, you know, but I'm preaching my word anyway. He says, but if I sent you to a different people, which I'm not, but if I did, they would listen to you. Then it says, you know, this, this reminds me of, you know, familiarity uh, draws contempt because uh, a lot of times when we don't, when we're familiar with people, we don't respect them for who they are and what they know. But if we don't know somebody, if it's a stranger coming along speaking the same thing, then we'll give them a degree, the degree of respect and, and, and honor that we won't give to those we're familiar with. Anyway, 
It says um, in verse 7, but the house of Israel will not want to listen to you because they do not want to listen to me. For the whole house of Israel is hard-headed and hard-hearted. <laughs> the Lord is using the word. The whole house is hard-headed. <clears throat> Let's drop down to verse 10. It says, next he said to me, son of man, listen carefully to all my words that I speak to you and take them to heart. Go to your people, the exiles, and speak to them. Tell them this is what the Lord says, whether they listen or refuse to listen. So again, the Lord is emphasizing uh, Ezekiel. Don't look for some kind of optimistic response from them. Don't look for some kind of agreement or nodding of heads or whatever. Just speak my word. You know, don't look for that word to be confirmed by their reaction, which many of us do. Right. We say something or whatever. We're, we're talking to people. We're looking for some kind of nod or some kind of indication that they're in agreement with what we're saying. That's not what the Lord is telling Ezekiel. Go speak my word. It doesn't matter how they respond. Just do it. In verse 14, the spirit lifted me up and took me away. I left in bitterness and in an angry spirit. And the Lord's hand was on me powerfully. Now, why was this? Why did the spirit lift Ezekiel up and why was he angry about it? He wasn't angry about being lifted up. He was angry because of what he knew what was going to happen with regard to the people when he preached the word. He knew how they were going to respond and he was angry about it because he knew they weren't going to hearken on to the voice of the Lord. That's what the situation was. That's what he was angry about. It says in verse 15, I came to the exiles at Tel Aviv and I sat there among them stunned for seven days. The next section says Ezekiel as a watchman. And it says, now at the end of seven days, the word of the Lord came to me. It says, son of man, I have made you a watchman over the house of Israel. When you hear a word from my mouth, give them a warning from me. If I say to the wicked person, you will surely die, but you do not warn them. You don't speak out to warn him about his wicked way in order to save his life that wicked person will die for his iniquity. But the Lord adds this. He says, yet I will hold you responsible for his blood. So the Lord is telling Ezekiel, if you don't preach my word, if you don't warn them the way I'm telling you to warn them, and that person dies, their blood is on your hands. It says in verse 19, but if you warn a wicked person and he does not turn from his wickedness or his wicked way, he will die from his iniquity but you will have rescued yourself. In other words, if you stay obedient to me, if you do what I tell you to do, and they don't hearken on to your voice, they don't listen to you, and therefore they die because of their wickedness, that's not on you, because you did what I told you to do. It says in verse 20, now if a righteous person turns from his righteousness and acts unjustly, so you have a righteous person, and then they turn from their righteousness and acts unjustly, and I put a stumbling block in front of him, he will die. It says, if you did not warn him, he will die because of his sin and the righteous acts he did will not be remembered. And so any things he did in his righteousness, if he turns from his righteous uh, way and, and turns to wickedness, anything he did will be wiped clean. Nobody remember it. The word goes on and says, uh, oh, wait. So if you did not warn him, he will die because of his sin and his righteous acts. He will not be remembered. But the word says, yet I will hold you responsible for his blood. 
See, so if you have a righteous person and they turn from their wicked way, but they weren't warned by Ezekiel, the Lord says, your blood is on his hand. In verse 21, but if you warn the righteous person that he should uh, not sin and he does not sin, he will indeed live because he listened to your warning and you will have rescued yourself. In verse 22, the hand of the Lord was on me, was on me there. And he said to me, get up and go out to the plain and I will speak with you there. So I got up and went out to the plain. The Lord's glory um, was present there like the glory I had seen um, uh, by the canal and fell face down. It says the spirit entered me and set me on my feet. He spoke with me and said, see, it says the spirit entered me and set me on my feet. He spoke with me there. And so Ezekiel is referring to the spirit as he. He spoke with me and said, "Uh, go shut yourself inside your house. As for you, son of man, they will put ropes on you and bind you uh, with them so you cannot go out among them. He's talking about they, the Israelites, are going to bind you, you know, so you can't go out among them. But the word says, I will make your tongue stick to the roof of your mouth and you will be mute and unable to be a mediator for them, for they are like a rebellious house. So it looks like, you know, Ezekiel to some extent is going to be paying for their rebelliousness. And then it says, but when I speak with you, I will open your mouth and you will say to them, this is what the Lord says. Let the one who listens, listen. Let the one who refuses, refuse, for they are a rebellious house. Chapter four, it says Jerusalem, Jerusalem siege dramatized. Verse one, now you son of man, like a brick, uh, take a brick, set it in front of you and draw the city of Jerusalem on it. So Ezekiel takes a brick. Uh, and draws the city of Jerusalem on it. So he's symbolizing, this is an act of uh, symbolizing what uh, Jerusalem. It says in verse two, then lay siege against it, construct a siege wall, uh, build a ramp, pinch, pitch military camps, and place battering rams against it on all sides. Take an iron plate and set it up as an iron wall between yourself and the city. Face it so that it is under siege and besiege it. This will be a sign for the house of Israel. So he's building this like a Lego set. I'd like to see he's building it as a uh, as a representation of Jerusalem. And he's laying doing uh, things against it. And people are witnessing this, you know. And so I'm assuming that they get the metaphor, that they get what he's doing. Then it says in verse four, it says then this gets weird. <laughs> then he says, then lie down on your left side and place Uh, and place the iniquity of the house of Israel on it. You will bear their iniquity for a number of days you lie on your side. For I have assigned you you the years of their iniquity according to the number of days you lie down. 390 days, so you will bear the iniquity of the house of Israel. And so Ezekiel is to lay on his left side for over a year. Okay, (laughs) Essentially a year and a month, essentially 13 months. He is to lay on his left side uh, to bear the iniquity of the house of Israel. Then it says in verse six, when you have completed these days, lie down again, but on your right side and bear the iniquity of the house of Judah. And so now he's going to flip over on his right side and lay down and says, I have assigned you 40 days, a day for each year. And so 40 days on the other side. So in totality, he's probably looking at about 14 months where he's going to be on one side or the other. Why 390 days for Israel and only 40 days for Judah? Well, Israel sinned much sooner than Judah did. And so it looks like their price is going to be much heavier. 
It says in verse 7, face the siege of Jerusalem with your arm barred, with your arm bared, so be arm face the siege. It says, and prophesy against it. Verse 8, be aware that I will put cords on you so you cannot turn from side to side until you have finished the days of your siege. And so again, this is symbolic. This is symbolic of Ezekiel can't turn uh, from side to side, that the uh, Israelites and the Judeans couldn't do it either because uh, they were going to be under siege. So this is him symbolizing what they would not be able to do. And then it says in verse 9, also take wheat, barley, beans, lentils, millet, and spelt, put them in a single container and make them into bread for yourself. You are to eat during the number of days you lie on your side, 390 days. So you're, you're to eat this bread concoction uh, for the number of days that you're on your side. And it says the food you eat each day will weigh eight ounces and you will eat uh, at a set time. You will also drink a ration of water, a sixth of a gallon, which you will drink at set times. And so Ezekiel is going to be doing, again, this is symbolic of what's going to happen to the Israelites or the Judeans, I should say, in exile, is that they're going to be on rations. They're going to be, you know, eating very little or, or restricted in what they eat and drinking very little. It says in verse 12, it says, you will eat as soon, you will eat it, you will eat it as you would eat a barley cake. Now get this, verse 12, and bake it over dried human excrement in their sight. So the Lord is telling Ezekiel what you're going to do. You're going to make this cake and you're going to bake it over human excrement in the people's sight. In verse 13, the Lord said, this is how the Israelis will eat their bread, ceremonially uncling among the nations where I banish them. So what Ezekiel is doing is, is, is symbolic of what the uh, Judeans are going to do. They're going to eat ceremonially, un ceremonially unclean food. It says in verse 14, but I said, this is Ezekiel talking, but I said, Oh, Lord God, I have never been defiled from my youth until now. I have not eaten anything that died naturally or was mauled by wild beasts and impure meat was has never entered my mouth. And so Ezekiel is objecting. He said, Lord, look, I've never defiled myself with unclean food. Yet you want me to cook this stuff over human dung. You know? And so then the Lord said, OK, Lord replied to me, he says, look, I will let you use cow dung instead of human excrement. And you can make your own bread over that. He says, okay, then, then you can use warm cow poop in order to, to bake your bread instead of the human stuff. So you don't want to be defiled. I get it. So do this. <clears throat> and then um, in verse 16, it says, he said to me, son of man, I'm going to cut off uh, the supply of bread in Jerusalem, they will anxiously eat food they have weighed out and in uh, dread drink ra rationed water. And so again, this refers back to verse 10 when the Lord was spelling out what Ezekiel would eat and how much he would drink. And then it says in verse 17, for lack of bread and water will be devastated. Uh, everyone will be devastated and waste away because of their iniquity. So we see that in order for Ezekiel to be obedient to the word of the Lord, the Lord is putting him through some hoops, but he's going to do every last bit of it. And the question is, would we? I mean, this makes me think really hard. I don't know. But anyway, with that, uh, we're going to conclude it for today. We'll pick it up in Ezekiel chapter 5 tomorrow. Everybody be blessed. Take care. And remember, Invite Jesus into your life in order to direct and govern you, not to be your co-pilot, but to be the pilot. 
Take care. Bye-bye.